Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. And if this is your first time here, welcome. I'm so excited to have you. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader. And I started this podcast to have some eclectic conversations about living a spiritual life and being on a personal development path. For this episode, I'm trying a new thing, which is bringing the forecasts that I've been writing to the podcast. And it's actually that after writing these forecasts for five years, I'm coming up on the beginning of my sixth year writing these in June. I recently brought them to YouTube by speaking them on video. And I decided to try out for this week at least, and we'll see what happens to bring it to the podcast so that you can listen to it as well. And this forecast has images attached to it. So if you want to see what the images look like, you can pull it up at monarchastrology.com and look for this forecast. Um, This is for the new moon in Gemini, and it's called Poets, Priestesses, and Magicians. And it's from May 20th to May 26th of 2020. There's a few moments in the forecast itself that I'll reference some of the images, which obviously you can't see. But for most of this, like, 99.9% of the content of this podcast um, episode, you can just listen um, to the transmissions and the downloads about the week. My writing process for writing these forecasts is that I look at what transits are coming up and I sit with it in meditation and I get images and I translate them and I give kind of guidance or advice about some of the themes and energetics at play for the week. And as you may have told, or you, as you may already tell um, from listening to this podcast, or if you've read my writing, I kind of have a poetic way of perceiving things and talking about things. Um, so I, I hope that this episode enchants you. And the hope for that is earnest in the sense that what I love about getting a a tarot reading or an astrology reading or meeting with some kind of seer or psychic is that they illuminate for me threads and facets of reality that because they named it, I can now connect with it. So I think that listening to this kind of um, imagery or content, it can evoke memories or thoughts or epiphanies. And so I hope that um, you enjoy listening to this and I hope that it brings some magic and deeper connection to reality If you feel any synchronicity from listening to this, then I am super happy about that. And just before we get started, I want to say too that you can go ahead and go over to Instagram and follow me there at Sabrina Monarch. And I'm also on Twitter at Sabrina underscore Monarch. I have a mailing list, which is a way to get updates from me and, you know, be the first to know about when course launches and to also get updates about the content that I put out, the weekly forecasts. And if you want to receive some personalized feedback about the symbols within your natal chart, um, I would be happy to tune into your natal chart with you and give you an evolutionary astrology reading, um, which is where I look at your chart based on Pluto and the lunar nodes to get a portrait of your soul and what you've come into this life with um, from past lives and what are your of karmic themes and lessons in this lifetime. And I also love to work with patterns or reoccurring themes that you want to create some shift or transformation around. So you can find information about that on my website, monarchastrology.com. And I'll also, I leave um, the link in the episode notes about how to book a reading with me. I'm, I'm feeling like weirdly excited to be recording this intro to this podcast because these forecasts are, you know, have been for years, uh, a weekly kind of ritual space for me. And it means a lot to expand them. You know, they've been in written form for so long, and I'm really excited about the possibility of reaching more people. So of course, if you enjoy the content that I share, please tell your friends about it and share it on social media. That means the world to me and leave a review on this podcast and all that stuff. And let's get into this week's transits. (laughs) 
Hey, this is Sabrina Monarch of Monarch Astrology, and I'm bringing you the astrology forecast of May 20th to May 26th. And we just had a few retrogrades, Venus stationed retrograde in Gemini and Jupiter and Saturn and Pluto all stationed retrograde in Capricorn. So there's a lot of retrograde energy. So somewhat of a pause. I've been feeling a little bit of slow motion. And yet we also have this flurry of Gemini activity, a new moon in Gemini. The sun enters Gemini shortly before that new moon. Venus and Mercury are in Gemini forming a lot of aspects this week. So we're going to get into that. And by the way, if you're new here to this YouTube channel, this is a new YouTube channel. I have been writing weekly forecasts for five years now, coming up on my sixth year in June. And I just expanded out to YouTube to reach more people and also create another medium through which these messages can be shared. I've always been a reader and a writer. So I absorb my media mostly through reading and writing, right? but I understand that people like to listen to things. I also have a podcast, Magic of the Spheres, and I've started to branch out to this form of expression. So if you like it, if you get something out of this video, please do like and subscribe to this channel and hit the notification bell so you can be notified when more videos come out. So a little bit about Gemini before we begin, which I feel is super important to presence. If we think, you know, if you've heard the kind of common tropes about Gemini's like trickery and deceit and all of that. If you've got a problem with Gemini, to be honest, you don't understand Gemini. It is a super magical energy. And Gemini is like having the capacity to be stimulated and to, I think, like play a ping pong match. So if someone shoots you the ball in conversation, you can shoot it back. You can say something witty. And in order to be witty, in order to be present to the opportunities of the moment, you have to have a think, uh, a quickly thinking mind to be able to pick up on things. And Gemini has this way of, we might call it being scattered, uh, right, or not being focused, but Gemini's focus is like rapidly shifting. Like that shiny thing over there, that opportunity over there, that quantum leap into another reality over there. and. This kind of energy of being able to diverge or fork or mutate the path is how we generate novelty and creativity in our existence. Um, I think as well of like, let's say that we are going through a process of recovering from like a breakup um, and we kind of have this feeling of like, well, I was in like, I was happy in that relationship and that's you know, where I want to be. And we're locating kind of our um, opportunities in the past, generating novelty, having new experiences, going out, meeting new people, doing something fun, starting a new hobby, freshens and loosens the mind and takes us out of stagnant patterns. So there's an opportunity this week for that. And also a lot of opportunity this week for literal magic. And I talk about magic every week, to be honest, because magic is one of my favorite things in the world. And I believe that magic is readily abundant when we pay attention to it, when we seek it, and when we create it. And one of the ways that we create magic is with our word and how we use language. One of my favorite things to do um, along these lines is when I want to shift my reality, when things start starting to feel not how I'd like them to. Um, and, you know, there's processes for going into our stuff and transmuting and whatever. So many different tools to be used. But you can sit down with a journal. And I like to write about my perception, about my experience of reality from a romantic tint of view. And when I do this, not only do I start to feel lighter and more effervescent and more content with my experience, but when I close the journal and enter back into my life, I'm stepping into a life that's different than the one I was living before I wrote that journal entry. Sometimes writers have this really trippy experience of writing a fictional story and then it happening in their life. Um, they write about an event uh, that they think is fiction and then it literally manifests. So not to worry if you're writing about things that you don't want to manifest. Um, there's no need to get paranoid about that. But thinking about where we put our attention, what kinds of thoughts we create and perpetuate, and what ways that ripples out and trickles into what we experience in our reality. 
I think this is something that we would do best to be intentional about and to recognize that it is actually like a real force within reality that we can create with our word. And that way we can start to experiment and tinker and figure out how we can call things into being that we want to experience. So I'm going to pull up my slides now and get into the details of this week's astrology. So new moon in Gemini, poets, priestesses, and magicians. It's the energy that I'm sensing for the week. We're making magic this week when we engage with the generation of novelty. The sun enters Gemini and all of our exact transits this week, save for a Mars-Uranus transit at the end of the week, involve aspects to the sun, Mercury, and Venus, which are all in Gemini. And we've got a new moon in Gemini. Not only this, but there's a stellium of Venus, Mercury, fire, temple priestess, Vesta, and the north node of the moon, all in Gemini. And the north node of the moon is where energy is streaming abundantly into Earth. So you have this constellation of Mercury, Venus, Vesta, and Gemini all on the north node. And that's where I'm getting poets, priestesses, and magicians. And that there's that energy flooding into um, the planet this week. Whether that's people being born, I, I feel like really like, it's like, can we even comprehend the people that are being born right now? These poets, priestesses, and magicians, but it's also an energy that we can tap into in ourselves. And we can do this by being magical with our word, um, being intentional about our spells, using affirmations, changing our self-talk and being really illustrious and magical with it. It's a difference between having self-talk that's like ho-hum, like, well, I did this thing. I, you know, I'm this kind of person, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, like really giving it flourish and magic and inventing who you want to be and the experience that you want to have and see if you can kind of magically shift your reality. Um, if there's a direction that you want to shift your reality into. My favorite image for Gemini is the magician. Gemini is an extremely clever sign with a quick and flexible enough mind to perceive the subtle opportunities of each moment. Instead of just seeing one obvious, clear path of which to follow, Gemini sees forks upon forks upon forks along the path and is capable of entering tangential universes of novel quality. This pattern is also correlated with Gemini's common challenges around focus or being scatterbrained. However, any book in its final and complete form, however coherent and focused it is for us to read, um, was once a writer's scattered ideas and brainstorm and um, having a variety of random experiences and research and the like. Gemini's magical powers exist not just in the process of being able to take the fork in the path, but to make a connection between that fork and from whence it came. So too is Gemini associated with the messenger and the traveler between the realms. Here's a quote by Martin Shaw that I remembered and wanted to share this week. This time when we have fallen from the path, when there seems to be no way, is often a reopening to the deep experience of the soul. Many old teachers suggest that we cannot revisit the garden by quite the same path that we once did. So I believe this image is called the visitation and it's by Paul Ranson. All the artist credits, I'll leave them in the notes and you can also find them on the web article version of this forecast. So this week, it may be worth considering how you engage with novelty and where in your life this will be the medicine. So how is novelty a new entrance into the garden? If the entrances that once worked no longer work, being able to see the fork in the path rather than just doing the same old thing may be super crucial this week. Our patterns and habits make a neat little map or a track. And to the extent that we remain in these patterns and habits, we can make hamster wheels of ourselves. Consistency, of course, has its magic too. 
And I speak from experience of writing and publishing these forecasts every single week for a reason, because consistency has a kind of magic to it. But consistency isn't the same thing as inflexibility or rigidity. Do we trust that our curiosity or our desire to explore a fork in the road or a tangential path may contain value? That our instincts and our curiosity may be leading us to a place of value and unique discovery? When we generate new choices and open new doors, we create new mapping points and effectively changes in our lives. Because the map isn't the territory. The territory is our experience. But when we create a new mapping point, then we have the connection of like, oh, I can go here. So you know when you've heard a friend say something that you thought was a good idea and you tried it and you had the experience because they said those words that triggered you to make that mapping point and then go there. That's what I'm talking about. When we entertain new ideas, it opens up new possibilities at the same time. And considering Vesta, this beautiful temple priestess in all of this, and that she's connected to Mercury and Venus this week, and she's an archetype associated with devotion and temple space, it's not that all choices that generate novelty are equal. Choose an energy or a value or several core energies and values that you want to be devoted to and orient your map from there. And this is how your magic can be intentional and not just random. Because certainly if you just decide like, oh, I wanna have new experiences and you don't qualify what kinds of new experiences, you could have a variety of like chaotically new experiences, but what do you really want? And tuning into that channel or of those values is how you can create novelty within that realm. So when I'm thinking about Uh, deepening my relationship with soul and um, building my understanding of unconditional love and cosmic love, then I'm going to have experiences that fit inside of those parameters. However infinite those experiences can be, it's still narrowed the choice of what I'm wanting to experience. So before we get into um, this week's transits and details, I have a few announcements. One is that I have a new episode of the podcast out with my friend, Arakai Moon, and we talked about daily self-pleasure as a ritual. And we recorded this just a few days before Venus stationed retrograde. I released this a few days after Venus stationed retrograde. And I really consider Venus retrograde like an internalized Venus. And certainly self-pleasure is one way that we can connect more deeply with ourselves. And so we had a conversation about that. And Arakai is amazing. She's a shamanic body worker and a fellow evolutionary astrologer. And she's back on the podcast after we last recorded about the Taurus Scorpio axis. So you can tune into this where you listen to podcasts. And I'll also leave a link in the notes. And then I'm also going to be starting a Kickstarter in June to crowdfund my sixth year of writing these forecasts and the podcast, which is a newer podcast, but to basically crowdfund a year of content creation. I'm going to be offering astrology readings and discounted tuition to my next evolutionary astrology intensive. And so I'd really love your support in crowdfunding the next year. And I would love to get to read for you and get to have you in class. Um, So I'm really excited about this and I'm going to keep announcing it and sharing updates as it progresses. So stay tuned for that. And here's our week. On May 20th, the sun enters Gemini at 6.49 a.m. Pacific. And in Gemini season, we're likely to be in touch with a desire for mental stimulation and novelty. As I was saying, being able to play that ping pong game, people that have a very uh, Gemini or mercurial energy to them like to have lively conversation and feel like um, other people can pick up what they're throwing down and give it back in a way, you know, something that I love about my um, heavily Gemini influenced friends is that any topic of conversation that I throw their way, they can be like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, and, and have something to add. Like you can't throw them off. There's nothing you can say that they can't run with. And I think that that's a truly incredible uh, personality quality. 
So in kind of Gemini season or Gemini experience, we become more curious and open, um, if even hungry, for new information and a variety of perspectives. Gemini has a talent for synthesizing and building bridges and can see connections between different schools of thought, modalities, and even trivia. You know when you pick up random information and it just kind of goes somewhere mysterious and hidden in your brain. And then at another moment, um, when it's useful, it pops back up from the ether of the mysterious channels of your mind. So some people that have a lot of Gemini, like they just like to pick up tidbits of information and it comes into be useful at some other time. I feel that way as like, I love to read. And sometimes when I'm writing these forecasts, quotes come to mind and I go find the book and I look up the quote and it's like these pieces of information just bubble up to our mind when we need them. The open-mindedness that Gemini represents goes beyond simply being able to entertain different kinds of thoughts. New thoughts actually open up new worlds. Gemini is actually very much a magician. Really let that sink in. Gemini is a magician. We can use words to describe what is and use words to create new realities. So if you practice affirmation or mantra, that's a, an obvious form of this, but imagine what happens not just when you say an affirmation one time, but when you edit or construct or generate the panorama of thoughts that you carry around with you, when you're able to detach from the thoughts that you passively think, not by choice, um, and you don't you know, just run away with them or believe all of them, um, but you assess them. But when you create a field of intentional chosen thoughts that support the magic that you're wishing to create, um, I think this is really important for manifestation, where if you are manifesting something that you haven't experienced yet in this life, your reference points of your self-identity don't necessarily include those things. So you start to change your self-talk like I am successful, um, I am fulfilled. And you start to shift your perception to be a vibrational match with that which you are calling in. And being a vibrational match isn't just about how you feel, it's that too, but it's how you think and how you self-talk and how you talk about your reality. The experience of being mentally stimulated can have the result of shaking loose stagnant ways of thinking and offering new prisms to peer into our reality through. Gemini has this characteristic lightness to it, this capacity to freely flow in and out of different realities, to collect novel experiences, and then to cross-fertilize different realms by bringing messages from one into the other and translating if need be. This is one of Gemini's particular geniuses is being able to synthesize, make novel connections between disparate threads of reality. Pay attention to your own travels this Gemini season and not your distant travels because I know most of us are not doing that right now, um, but the different places you occupy in one conversation versus another, in the dream time versus waking, in one particular headspace versus another, or in your home versus when you cross the threshold of the outside world, and so on. Give more texture and depth of awareness to how much you travel in one day. And then same day, May 20th, yes. May 20th, Venus will retrograde in 20 degrees of Gemini, or it is retrograde, sorry, Venus retrograde in 20 degrees of Gemini, square Neptune in 20 degrees of Pisces, and this is at 4.02 p.m. Pacific. And this is the second of three exact Venus-Neptune squares, this Venus retrograde cycle. Venus recently stationed, stationed retrograde on the 12th and now makes a square back to Neptune on her way back through Gemini. So 
Couldn't think of a, I was thinking of like looking at oneself in a pool of water and the water's moving, but this is even better because you have puzzle pieces. And I think there's this logical side of Gemini that wants to figure things out. And Neptune is this planet that can relate to confusion. It also can relate to immense spiritual clarity. So it has that dual sidedness. Um, but it's like we're puzzling, we're trying to figure something out, and there's a confusing or a distorting element to it. So our self-image can be blurry or distorted at this time, if only to reveal that some objective truth that we seek is nowhere to be found. We say something like, I'm confused, which translates to, I am confused, Hi, my identity, my name is confused. And continue then to be confused because in the naming of our current felt state, we are also creating our state with our word. And I know not everyone believes this, but when we do choose to believe it and play around with it, massive change can occur. So if you want to work with this, think about the pivot. So I'm feeling confused and I'm open to step into a new reality or a new frame of time where I feel clarity or asking self, why are you confused? What is confusion telling me? And listening to the answers that bubble up from a mysterious source. You may have your own tricks for how you lightly inquire and step into different headspaces with your choice. Um, I do this all the time with being tired. I consider being tired an emotion. I don't like being tired. It's one of my least favorite states to be in. And that might be because I'm an Aries and that's ruled by Mars and I want to just go, right? And so when I'm tired, it's like, ugh, like I just don't want to be tired unless I'm going to bed or something. And so I've noticed that the more that I think I'm tired, I sink more and more into feeling bad. And if I start to close my eyes and generate different thoughts, I actually can give myself voltages of energy by having more energizing thoughts. Like I have infinite energy or even just saying like, God, I'm tired. Please give me the strength to do the things that I need to do right now. And then I feel like a burden release off of me and I'm able to um, either rest more easily in that moment or continue to do the things that I am wanting to do in that moment. So try it out, edit your thoughts and the way that you're speaking about your reality when your naming of your experience is hamster wheeling you in a way that you don't really like. And so it's not to say that we don't have a inner flame or like an inner pillar of a true self, capital T, capital S, true self, um, that we can uncover through introspection and meditation. So some inner kernel of truth, like, yes, there, there is that facet of our reality. And at the same time, there are many particulars about our experiences um, and our identity that we create with our word and with our thoughts and with our perception. So to what extent have we unintentionally designed our self-image and our relationships through outdated thoughts? Have you been casting the spell that no one understands you, that you're not beautiful, that you're not sexy, that you're only worthy of settling for something kind of safe and lukewarm um, instead of meeting your heart's desire? Can you craft something new of your self-concept that builds an actual bridge between you and what you long for? And it doesn't even matter if it's a fantasy, because a fantasy acted upon becomes reality. If you think about the thought loops and the tapes that you're playing in your head day after day, year after year, they become part of your aura in the same way that the ways that you move your body perpetually um, change your posture or the way that you inhabit and embody yourself and your thoughts. Um, even, you know, whether or not you identify as psychic or the people around you identify as psychic, the thought loops that you're playing over and over again, come across your aura in some way. And so if you want to 
change your whole life, change those thought loops that you're playing to yourself. Now, we sometimes associate Venus with people-pleasing, but Venus is also related to the capacity of knowing what we value and therefore owning our capacity to say no because we know the standards that we hold. Consider that if we change our thoughts and therefore our mapping points of self and how we as a self interface with reality, we are also going to become responsible for making choices that reflect these new spells. As a friend of mine, Serena Portal, has often said, what would the version of myself who loves herself do today? And then do it. Sometimes um, we think that because we've changed our mindset, that our reality is going to change immediately as well. But let's say we decide that we no longer want to entertain a particular circumstance or a pattern. We make that choice and the pattern keeps showing up then it becomes our like responsibility to just say no to that pattern when it comes up, not to develop this kind of victimized martyr, like this is just my karma. This is like my lot in life and okay, I'll accept it. Like really standing in the uh, Venus's capacity to say no, thank you. Um, and to find another way to feel entertained or enjoy one's experience within oneself instead of being dependent on something that is not even providing what one desires. And perhaps consider this time period. So this is the image I was telling you about for Venus square Neptune. I was seeing more of this kind of um, distorted reflecting pool. Consider this time period, Venus retrograde and Venus squaring Neptune, most of this retrograde, you know, that's something that makes this Venus retrograde special is like it's a Venus Neptune cycle. So not only is it a Venus retrograde, which is a journey of the heart and evolution of the Venus archetype, but it's like cosmic love, Venus Neptune. And within cosmic love, I mean, people get confused. It's like when we have a karmic partner and we're like, oh, I, th I think we should be together. It's karmic. There's this magic and there's this aura, but it's like a totally dysfunctional thing and learning how to um, have good boundaries and how to have a mystical relationship with love that works both in heaven and on earth. So thinking of this time period, like gazing into this distorted reflecting pool, the water's moving and you can't really get a clear image. And I want to invite you that rather than focusing on how potentially disorienting this could be, um, to consider it a wormhole of opportunity for something healing and creative to occur. Like you're literally like before the ripples settle, change is happening. So use this time period to magically invent um, and call in some new qualities and let go of some things that you want to clear and heal. And then when the water settles and there's like more of that sense of firmness in one's identity, you've taken this kind of whimsical, ethereal time to make some magic in the liminal space. And then May 22nd, 2020, Mercury in 20 degrees Gemini is conjunct Venus retrograde in 20 Gemini at 1.41 a.m. And Mercury, Venus, Priestess, Asteroid, Vesta, and the North Node of the moon are all conjunct in Gemini, which is an incredible lineup. I practically gasped, gasped when I looked at it, like, wow, wow. Thinking about who's being born with that signature and the quality of their mind. Mercury Venus um, is a very, it's like a signature of writers um, speaking beautifully, writing beautifully, being very um, clever and witty in one's relations. And Venus is this priestess goddess. She relates to sacred sexuality. She relates to sacred space and having a channel between oneself and the divine. So there's a sense of like Vesta has this kind of bubbly happiness to her. Like she knows how to contact the divine within herself. And 
to think of that combined with Venus and Mercury and Gemini, I just see like so much inventive, playful, magical energy streaming into our experience right now. And this is, you know, this is a week in the cosmos. Some people are born with this and they live it out for a longer period of time. But while we're in this time period, while we're in this magical Venus retrograde, and I'm, I'm saying it so many times in this forecast that I'm not even going to be self-conscious about it. I'm just going to own because it's, it's an important message. Be intentional about your magic and your word. Um, there's so much that we can create with language. And I feel like this... Um, lineup of all these planets on the North node is basically like screaming word magic and like mystical, um, mystical language and manifestation through the word. But also let's think about ritual because it is Vesta and she's this temple priestess. So she has something to do with ritual and ritual is a basic human need and it's deep in our DNA and our soul memory. These, um, you know, there's simply things that we are able to move and process and discover in the liminal kind of altered space that is ritual. In the potential absence of rituals to participate in, you know, we don't live in a super ritualistic culture. Our rituals are kind of like weird in some sense, but um, if you don't have any to participate in, should you not have any that you're interested in or you don't even know of any, um, you can also create one yourself and it can be as simple or as elaborate as you wish. And typically, you know, I don't think ritual is about making sure that you do things right or perfect. If you're working with certain spirits or certain traditions where, um, there's maybe a little bit more of a warning of like, don't mess this up because this could happen. Sure. But when you're inventing one for yourself and you're just following your intuition and you're playing ritual is actually just serious play. It's this formal way of engaging in like a, a make believe or play pretend space. But what it does is it actually, it brings stuff up from the deep psyche and the body and like makes it known. So you get to have like a visionary experience and life alters afterwards. There's a kind of mystical way that we've changed the flow of reality. So ritual can be something that we can do to call in something, to do a healing. And this is something um, I just want to encourage that you can invent. And so a basic example of inventing a ritual could be thinking of what you desire, like an intention that you have. And... Um, then like dressing up for the occasion, have a designated space, light a candle and like write or make music or move as though your intention has already come true and you are living it and embodying it through your expression and find a symbolic way to close the ritual container and reflect on what you discovered. So I come from a background of being a writer and played a lot with the word and with um, different kind of mystical activities to do with language. But I remember I had a, a significant um, time with my writing where there was an emotional quality that I wanted to bring into my writing. And I found this through observing a performer and feeling like they had this kind of, um, like the aura that surrounded them while they performed was so enchanting and kind of seductive. And it was like, I'm just a writer. Like I can't, like writing is my only tool. I don't have the, um, the musical skills, for example, to create this thing that I was watching this other performer create. And I, it moved something in me that I had this experience of like, I got into an altered state of consciousness and I treated my computer or my laptop like it was not just a mundane thing, but that it was a, like an instrument. And I got into this um, channel space where I got into the feeling state of what I was witnessing in that performer that I was in a sense jealous of and channeled it through my computer and my writing forever changed after that. I walked through a portal and I think that this, um, if there's something that you're wanting to embody or bring into your life, ritual is a beautiful way to act it out and 
a step through a wormhole into a different reality. So whatever it is for you, um, thinking about this week as a pretty cosmically aligned time to do something creative and um, wormhole stepping, quantum leaping, entering new realities kind of thing through just playing and inventing it. And then we have the sun in the first degree of Gemini, trining Saturn, who's retrograde in one degree of Aquarius. We have a sun, Saturn, trine, and air signs. So I've got this image of a um, thoughtful looking writer, and this is a portrait of Langston Hughes. Thoughts and ideas come faster than our application of them does. Um, the thought, the word is actually, it's a less dense material than, um, things that we can touch. And so they happen and pass through faster. Um, it takes more time to, uh, manufacture and create physical things. Inevitably, we don't act upon and materialize every single idea or even every single inspired idea that passes through us because we don't have the energy or the time. So we have to prioritize, like, which ones do we uh, do? And even just implementing some of our ideas is a way that we become more grounded as a channel. Basically, if you think about inspired ideas having a consciousness and sentience of their own, which I think they do, um, and they're floating through the ether, they actually want to land into the life of someone who will actually incarnate them. So when you have a practice, you're making yourself more magnetic for the muses. And this is connected to why people who put in the time consistently to cultivate a craft or a skill or a talent over hundreds or thousands of hours become masterful. They effectively become channels for inspiration to flow through them. The muses recognize the vessel. This is a good time then to consider the strength of your channel that brings your particular genius into the world. Have you committed to a practice and have you invented what that looks like for you? Many people get good ideas by running water, such as in the shower. Um, as Aquarius is a sign associated with downloads in the higher mind, and it's represented by the water bearer. Um, I actually was just filling up some water jugs at a spring yesterday, and I was like, this is like I'm connecting with Aquarius right now. The, energy of running water is super magical. And if you go and sit by a stream or a waterfall, um, your reverie, like the quality of your mind um, is altered by being in the presence of running water. And water aside, you can create this channel energy by consistently cultivating a practice and showing up in time and space for your creativity. And eventually genius comes through like water comes gushing through a faucet. Haruki Murakami has my one of my absolute favorite quotes about writing. And he says that every time he writes a novel, even though he's written multiple novels, it's um, he has to discover it every single time. He has to invent the wheel every single time because it's a new novel and his process, he likened it. And I, I'm pretty sure he's a Capricorn, but he likened it to hacking, um, at rock and until he hits a geyser and the inspiration flows through. And so sometimes, um, I'm, I'm always just so grateful for like having studied like creative writing and just like absorbing a lot of content and teachings about that because, learning about how the creative process works really applies not just to art, but to life. And we can have a sense when it comes to inspiration that it's supposed to be easy. If I'm inspired, shouldn't it just be easeful? And not always. Sometimes you do kind of hack at the rock until a geyser like rushes forth, um, which I guess is, it's a kind of um, gritty metaphor. But sometimes our creative process is like that, where we, we work hard, we try and experiment, and it's a little bit of a grind, and then the magic happens. 
And so you're not doing something wrong if it's hard at first. Um, new channels, building and constructing a new channel of creativity can be hard at the very beginning. Um, and that's just part of it, basically. And in regards to this, when something's hard, discipline often comes into play. And Saturn is known for discipline. And here we have Saturn, Trine, Sun, and Gemini. And Gemini is not really known for discipline. Not to say Gemini people can't be disciplined, but they there may be some other things in their chart or they're working with Gemini energy in their own kind of clever way. Um, it's also said that Aries don't like to follow things through, but I don't think that's necessarily true. So you can definitely have disciplined Geminis. So not to overgeneralize. But Gemini as an archetype isn't really about discipline. It's about novelty and flexibility, right? So Gemini can work wonders with the right container. And discipline is effectively a container for a process to unfold. Gemini brings novelty, magic, and cleverness to what it touches. So we may consider how there is some space for the routine um, or the discipline, and also spaciousness within that container of the routine to have novel breakthroughs or discoveries. Consider the ways that you engage with discipline or design commitments into your life that actually make way for the birth of novelty and exploration. So some people have a practice of like writing morning pages or they journal and it's like you, the ritual is the same, but what's flooding through your consciousness can surprise you every time. And then we have Mercury in 20 degrees of Gemini, square Neptune in 20 Pisces at 8.43 a.m. And this is still on the same day, that is May 22nd. Here, the boundaries between realms is thinner, and oracular exercises like automatic writing may be particularly abundant as to the discoveries and revelations that may come through. Also worth considering, where we are used to going through the motions and completing tasks from a place of rigidity uh, may feel unusually boring or difficult right now. Mercury and Gemini are tricksters, and the flow of information and the sequencing of one's to-do list with this Mercury squared and Neptune, um, it may be based more on feeling and inspiration, ideally, than pre-existing forms of logic. So I encounter this all the time of like, I have a preconceived, like, this is what I want to do today. I have my tasks that I want to fulfill and the flow of reality or the Tao has other plans and having the skill set of being disciplined, making a plan, executing it is definitely important in some areas. And at the same time, sometimes following the Tao and following this thread of excitement and curiosity and designing a to-do list around that can open up a lot more energy and actually a lot more productivity. Um, and especially I think with Mercury Neptune, there's that sense of like, Ooh, like being in like a wonderland and like that thing looks interesting and Ooh, I want to try that. And if you actually go into that channel, uh, there may be something, um, there basically. So see what happens, test what happens if you allow yourself to follow the energy current of your curiosity and your inspiration instead of a, a preconceived notion of how you're supposed to engage with the situation. Um, I've been working on this one a lot just in the last week of feeling a little bit in slow motion and having that tired thing come up and just actually resting when my being wants to and doing nothing. And then suddenly these ideas bubble up that are inspired and then I act on them. And it's something that is just kind of happening at this like whimsical, like Mercury Neptune kind of way. It is what it is. Um, so try that out. Where is reality wanting to be a little bit more flexible and take you on a little bit of a curvy, illogical journey um, that has some value to it, perhaps? Definitely, though, if you are doing something that requires like focus and getting the details right, Mercury Neptune transits are a good time to also be careful um, about double checking certain things or double checking the numbers um, because we're more likely to gloss over detail when we have Mercury Neptune things at play. 
And then we have a new moon in Gemini at 10.38 a.m. Pacific. And the sun and moon align in early Gemini, two degrees, forming a square to Mars and Ceres in Pisces, and trining Athena and Saturn in Aquarius. So we have some asteroid activity going on. Ceres relates to um, the triple constellation of Hades, Persephone, and Demeter. So there's a sense of... um, close relationship with a mother figure and like being innocent and being sheltered and then going into the underworld, whether by choice or by force, and then living a kind of like a seasonal life of sometimes being in the underworld and sometimes being on the above world. So Ceres is this actually pretty complex archetype that can relate to these seasons of um, grief a Demeter scouring the earth, searching for her daughter, Persephone, and um, neurotic grief even, the sense of like, oh, like life will never be good again. And just like that, the drama of that and um, the quality of coming out of the underworld, a queen, like being strengthened, like experiencing something really deep. Um, So there's a, a square to the new moon to that archetype and it's Mars series. So Mars is like actually emphasizing and giving this like punch to the series expression in our experience. So I think that there can be some of that like um, Gemini, like bubbly novelty kind of energy square in confrontation with this like, but things were good this way, like kind of like, oh, like feeling. And that's kind of where I was getting the downloads for this section on the new moon. So I'll get into that. Um, just want to say too, that Gemini's ruler Mercury is still in close conjunction to retrograde Venus. And it's still part of that stellium, that magical poet, priestess, magician stellium, um, which I'm obviously super excited about, but, um, this lunation, the new moon aspects, two archetypes notably associated with grief Ceres, and Saturn. We do say that time heals all wounds, but so does the generation of novelty, which is Gemini's specialty. We ought to be careful of nostalgia or the tendency to locate certain experiences of our deepest satisfaction or presence as living in the past. Um, So what we locate as like the good times, like that's gone, that's in the past. Careful. Um, nostalgia's etymology comes from the Greek nostos, meaning return home, and the Greek algos, meaning pain. Return home plus pain. So nostalgia, I don't know how you feel about nostalgia, but it doesn't, sometimes it's kind of like a, almost like a narcotic feeling of like, oh, like this feels good, but you know, like it's hazy. Um, and it, it's not like a joyful place. Like nostalgia has that edge of pain or that kind of mm, cloudy, foggy pain kind of quality to it. My notes just like disappeared. They're back. Um, so our favorite seasons of the past you know, were honestly likely time periods that we were present and engaging thoroughly with what the moment had to offer. Literally, what we're nostalgic about often is a time period where we weren't nostalgic, like we were in the experience. So we're going back and we're like, oh, that was nice. But we're actually just reminiscing on a time that was in its own merit. And similarly, um, this time period has something to offer as well. When we are in nostalgia, not only are we pining after something unattainable, we're not going to go back into the past, but we've greatly frozen our capacity to generate novelty. We think that in repeating the past in whatever ways we can, using the strategies of the past, it will bring us back home to a place of connection and satisfaction. But remember, the doorways home are always changing. And it takes a freshness of mind to recognize the new doorways. And how do you recognize the doorways? It's like, where's your curiosity? Where's your enthusiasm? What's stimulating you now? Not what has historically been stimulating to you. It's like, oh, this used to make me feel good, but it's wearing off. Like, what is the thing now? 
And this doesn't mean rejecting or kind of like letting go of certain things that have been in your life for a long time. There's always new ways to engage. So um, in like a, a partnership where you've been together for a long time, there's always new ways to cultivate that spark um, that maybe aren't the ways that you've cultivated the spark at the beginning, but it's new to what the relationship has evolved into now. In the generation of novelty, more on this, the mutable signs, Gemini included, we have Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces are immutables. They each follow a fixed sign in the natural zodiac. Mutable energy relates to change and the shaking loose of old patterns. It is the time in each season, uh, like fall, winter, speaking of seasons, where one season is transitioning into the next. Naturally, when we engage new experiences, we loosen up what has grown fixed in us. So kind of like tilling the soil, making it more fertile again, because it's gotten like compacted. And this is a time, um, or there is a time for focus and consolidation, and yet also a time for transition. And when we're in a mutable season like this, there's a lot of transitions and like loosening of fixed forms happening. And transitions are connected to the liminal or the in-between spaces, which are highly magical spaces full of many potentials, potentials which, once they come into form, will be more fixed eventually themselves. Like I said, you know, the idea for this cup was less dense than the cup itself. It was an idea, now it's a cup. Um, so our ideas and the ideas that we're entertaining um, can become real things. And then even that we decondition ourselves from. And when we're working with the liminal, we have so many choices and we can shape current and future events while they are in potential. So this is like the brainstorming phase before starting and then completing a project. If you feel that you are in between homes, whether that's literally or figuratively, like what home means to you, or, you know, satisfaction or fulfillment in life. Um, in between seasons of connection and fulfillment and satisfaction in your life. If you're processing from the past and it's clouding your vision of the future. And um, these are all domains of the wanderer archetype. And if this is a space you find yourself in, if you're adrift, if you're wandering, I invite you to think of this time period like a walking meditation or like life itself as a ritual. For a moment at the beach, the shoreline um, pulls back and is flat like a sheet. And this is before a wave collects again. And this is a natural flow. So when you're in between the waves or in between that like, uh, like fullness of feeling cup flowing over energy, how can you breathe fully into that space? And then if you are feeling lighter and feeling spacious at this time, this is also a time to be fully with that, um, to also engage like the books or the conversations and the random and fun experiences um, that interest you, to feel stimulated by life um, with a lightness of feet, to savor something and then easily move on to the next train of time. Like, that was nice. This was nice. This was nice. Like just a collection of frothy moments um, to be in delight. And delight's etymology comes from the Latin, I'm not going to pronounce this right, I don't know, um, delectare, meaning to charm, and the English light. So charming with light, to be in delight. And then on May 24th, 2020, Mars in eight degrees of Pisces will sextile Uranus in eight degrees of Taurus. And of course, more on the note of magic, because this is already where we are at and have been talking about this whole time. Um, many of us have inherited the conditioning that the natural environment around us is operating at a lower level than the brilliance of human cognition, that the trees are alive, but not really conscious, and that the wind is a scientific pattern of energy, but not a spirit. This conditioning has created a profound and all-encompassing sense of alienation. We begin to heal that alienation 
when we consider the relationships that we have with everything, the environment around us can become shockingly and startlingly alive um, when we begin to dialogue with it and court it. Even inanimate things, like what would it be like if everything was ensouled and you participated with um, life in that kind of way? As an assignment for the week, if you'd like one, find a non-human being to befriend um, who's a being that you haven't forged a connection with yet. Introduce yourself, talk with it, ask it questions. You may notice new ideas bubbling up in your own consciousness that um, are a result of this connection that you've just forged, um, or the answers or response might come delayed in a dream or by synchronicity. The more you engage with this kind of practice, the more tuned in you will begin to feel to recognizing when non-human beings are dialoguing with you. And I think it's worth an honest inquiry as to what in this life um, has made you scoff if you do. I know a lot of you listening aren't the type to scoff at this, but even if there's a smidgen of you <laughs> that is like that, scoff at the thought of talking to the wind and asking it what it wants to tell you today. If that were a normal way of life in our socially cult-like conditioned reality, would you not question it? What forces have separated you from having the wind as a friend? What would it be like to have the wind as a friend again? Of course, this is not limited to the wind, but any facet of reality that has become dull and not sentient through conventional societal norms, but which is in a which is in fact alive and in its quietness or inane or like inanimateness seemingly is only really reflecting our disenchantment to it because we're not in relationship to it. If someone's not paying attention to you, do you tend to kind of like paw at them and be like, Hey, Hey, or do you just like let them go on their way? You know, um, my cat Esme loves people. And when she's been in the company of people that don't engage her, she doesn't engage them. And so you'll have a much different experience with my cat if you play with her and if you talk to her and you pick her up and you like make eye contact with her, she'll go up to you and sniff your face and just like purr and stuff. But if you don't interact with her, she's not going to interact with you. And I feel like that's a good metaphor for some things like the wind. You know, if you don't talk to the wind, you're probably not primed to hear the wind talking to you. And maybe the wind isn't really talking that much to you because you're not talking to it. So thinking about to what extent is there a dullness or a boringness in reality or a mundaneness, not because those things are inherently boring, but because there's no relationship. That's what I'm meaning to say. So we can all actually be surprised by what we hear and see when we um, allow ourselves to be in greater dialogue with the world soul and with the environment around us. So that's all I have of the trends this week. I would love to hear in the comments what you thought and maybe what affirmations you're using this week or what... Um, intentions or magic you're calling in this week? What did you think about this forecast? Did you have any um, images or feelings come through that you want to share? I would love to hear about it. And do like and subscribe and hit the notification bell. Share. Um, when you like this video, it helps more people on YouTube see it. So if you found this video helpful, um, spread the love by making it more viewable. And you can also Follow me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch and on Twitter at Sabrina underscore Monarch. I do astrology readings, um, evolutionary astrology readings. So I focus on Pluto and the lunar nodes and I'll leave the link in the notes for that. I would love to read for you. And there's my podcast, Magic of the Spheres. So lots of stuff for you to check out and I'll be back next week with another forecast. All right, poet, priestesses, and magicians, have a beautiful week, and thanks for tuning in to this 
forecast, special edition podcast. Um, and maybe I'll keep doing this. I don't know. Let me know on Instagram. Send me a message if you listen to this and if you liked this format. Um, but I mean, for real, do something magical this week for me. Do it for yourself. It is such a epic lineup with Mercury, Venus, Vesta, North Node, and Gemini. And I really feel like, you know, I consistently have a practice of working with taking my own advice that I channel for these forecasts. And I'm thinking like, you know, some, some self-talk, like I can, I can really work with that. I can create a new reality for myself. I can live the life of my dreams now and work with the way that I'm narrating and framing my reality and not just taking for granted some lame story that I've been telling myself as fact, but uh, revise it. It's Venus retrograde and it's a great time. Um, This was something really that my conversation on an earlier episode with Melanie Gurley, she's the one who brought up like, we're changing our self-talk um, as a, a thought for this uh, Venus retrograde cycle. So there were a lot of good insights in that episode. That was episode, let me look it up. Episode number 49 of this podcast, Venus and Mars retrogrades of 2020 with Melanie Gurley. So I'm going to be on this exploration with you all this week, whoever takes up any of these invitations uh, to create a more magical reality. See you next time.